long for home to be a place of renewal and rest where family is nurtured and friendships are fostered. Would you like to create a warm and inviting space for people to gather and the gospel to grow? Then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help support our ministry, one great way you can do that is by purchasing Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of other really convenient online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for your support, listeners. This enables us to further our mission, to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Do your kids just love getting mail? Do you go to the mailbox with them and sift through the mountain of paper, like coupon for mold removal? Yeah, don't need that, hopefully. Electric bill, ouch. Bathing suit magazine you didn't request, um, no thank you. But what if your kids went to the mailbox with you to find an engaging current events magazine just for them, presented from a biblical worldview? God's World News is just that and so much more. They offer bi-monthly print magazines and corresponding online content that will walk your kids through current events in age-appropriate ways, from toddlers all the way to teens. Just go to gwnews.com slash ginger to get a free copy of God's World News. Again, that's gwnews.com slash ginger to help your kids build their news literacy so they can better live out the gospel. Well, Ginger, I am very excited for our listeners to get to know more about today's guest if they don't already. And since you know our guest today personally, how about you introduce her to our listeners? Sure. Jamie and I have spoken at lots of homeschool conventions all over the country together, and she is someone that I have very much come to admire. One of the reasons is because we share the same passion to encourage and equip moms in the high calling of motherhood, and Jamie Erickson does that well through her uh, Mom to Mom podcast, her blog, The Unlikely Homeschool, and her books, Holy Huga. And her other book, Homeschool Bravely, which is also fantastic. Uh, we actually have planned to have Jamie back on the show in the near future to talk about homeschooling with confidence, since so many of our listeners are either homeschooling or considering homeschooling. But today, we're going to talk about home and hospitality, because I absolutely love Jamie's book, Holy Huga. And I believe you're going to be super encouraged by what she has to say today. Jamie Erickson has been married to her college sweetheart for over 20 years, and they have five kids. They live in Minnesota, which means there won't be a language barrier today, but there will definitely be an accent barrier. (laughs) Jamie, welcome to the show, and just let us know if we need to call in a translator. (laughs) That's wonderful, Ginger. You know, I am a Minnesota transplant, so I have a little bit of Minnesota in there, but also uh, kind of a southwestern lilt, if there is such a thing. Okay. I, I think we'll muddle through we'll be able to make it. So we'll be good. All right, good. Well, Jamie, when I read your book, I was just fascinated by the whole concept of Huga and how you were able to combine the practice of that with deep theological truths of the gospel. So tell us about Huga and how you came to write a book about it. Well, Huga is a Danish lifestyle concept that has been around in the the 
Danish population for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's only recently sort of matriculated over to the States in the last, I'd say, 10 years, or at least the word has. Even... um, even Danish people here in the States have been cocooned in this concept of, of Huga for their whole lifestyle, their whole lives, even if they didn't necessarily have the verbiage or the language to ascribe it to. Um, Huga is a hard word to translate because it's we don't have an English equivalent for it. So if I were to give you sort of the cliff's notes of what it is, it is a lifestyle that engenders feelings of coziness and contentment comfort, rest. Um, I particularly feature seven of the tenets of Huga in my book. There's many more. I I just feel like those are the seven main um, foundations of Huga. Huga sounds like a warm blanket. Yes, it does. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and just for our listeners' sake, Huga, by the way, is spelled H-Y-G-G-E, which is not it doesn't all. roll off the tongue very no. easily, does it? No. no. And does. I just I've want heard... to give mad props to Ginger for pronouncing it correctly three <laughs> right. times already. <laughs> I've heard every iteration of it, Ginger, and, and you've, you've done it well. Right. Well, I practiced. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Jamie, I think it's easy to limit hospitality to straightening up the house, you know, doing the whirling dervish thing before people come over or cleaning the bathroom um, and just preparing <laughs> meals for guests. But how is hospitality more than just opening our doors and inviting people over? Well, I think it goes back to one of the root verses of hospitality in Scripture. You know, we have several different verses in the New Testament that basically command us to be hospitable. But I think what's more compelling than just a command Um, is this charge that comes all the way back from Leviticus. It's found in uh, Leviticus 19.34, and it reads, You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And in that same Mm -hmm. way that God had welcomed them, the Israelites, taken them as strangers from Egypt and given them a home, the children of Israel were then commanded to do that for others. That love that we see in that verse is actually um, a Hebrew word. It's ahab. And it's that same kind of love that scripture uses to describe things like the love of the father, the love that the father has for the son, and actually the love that God has for us, his children, for all of humanity. So those of us who are in Christ have an opportunity to mirror God's love to the world by just simply welcoming others in the same way that we have been welcomed by him. And we can do that simply um, by using the home that he's given for us. Now, to your question, you know, I think it goes all the way back to that Leviticus passage. And that's where we really see the difference between um, just opening our doors and letting people in and true hospitality. There's more intentionality in our decision about who we invite over and why we're inviting them over. It's less about just, you know, having friends over for the sake of having friends over, but more about providing space for the strangers, for the outliers, for those who don't naturally land in our circles in order that they can be seen and known and loved. That really was at the heart of God's command way back in Leviticus. Now, should we, you know, just be hospitable because we're commanded to? No, I think we should be compelled by that love piece, you know, in the same way that he has loved us, we should love others. And it really does start with a heart of hospitality. 
Hmm. So, so why should hospitality be at really the very heart of our homemaking? I think a lot of times we separate the two, but, but why should hospitality be at the heart? Well, if you think about it, God was the very first homemaker. You know, he made a home in the garden and he welcomed Adam and Eve. We often think of the garden as Adam and Eve's home. No, they were just guests. And he used that space to reveal his Ahab love for them. And unfortunately, we know, you know, sin came lurking in and then um, they were cast out of that perfect place. And they became nomads. In fact, all of humanity from that point on became nomads. And we are all desperately longing and craving for home. And and let's be honest, that true and lasting home, we won't ever see that again. We won't ever see that garden-like sanctuary again until we get to heaven. But for now, we've been commissioned by Christ to make homes here on earth, places of safety and rest, places of peace and comfort, for others so that they might know what it is possible, so that they might see now that hope of heaven, that everlasting home that they can have someday. So that really is at the heart of our homemaking. We are to mirror the first homemaker, which was Mm. God. I love that. I never stopped Mm -hmm. to think about that, that Adam and Eve were guests in the first home. That's beautiful. Jamie, I think it's difficult for some of us to wrap our minds around what hospitality should look like because maybe we have this vision, this Pinterest-worthy idea of entertaining rather than hospitality. And I've often said that we lived in Britain for a period of time, and our British atheist neighbors were far more hospitable to us than we have noticed our American Christian neighbors have been. Mm-hmm. And not not any discredit to our Christian American neighbors, because I think I'm right there with them in a lot of ways. Uh, so I, I'm curious to know what simple hospitality looks like and um, why you think maybe we don't do that so well <laughs> and what we can do to make it easier for ourselves so we can open the doors more frequently. I just asked you like six questions. so That's okay. I'm going to lob a question right back at you before I answer. I'm wondering, what was it about your British neighbors that felt so hospitable? Can you put your finger on some things that maybe they said or did that made you feel welcomed and invited? Because really that is at the that's the primary goal of hospitality, that people would feel seen and known, welcomed mm-hmm. and loved. So what was it that they did that was so distinguishable between, you know, how they did it versus how it's done here? It was several things. One I know for sure was that during the holidays, especially when we were away from, and again, it's a Christian holiday. They weren't really celebrating right. the Christian holiday, but they had pulled us into their family celebration, mm-hmm. which is a really selfless thing to do when you think about it, because at Christmas, we just want to be surrounded by our people. But here they were inviting these Americans next door who you know, had nowhere to go be with family. They made us part of their family that day. So that was one thing, but it didn't stop there. It was the frequency with which they pulled us into their daily lives and just let us see them in their environment and almost become a part of their environment. And that's just so foreign in in a lot of meanings of the word. That's so foreign here back in the States. I just don't experience that the way I did over there. 
Yeah, I think in so many ways you've answered your own question. Yeah. I think what you saw modeled was a true form of hospitality versus how we define it here in America is really more like entertaining. And mm-hmm. the two are vastly different. Hospitality is more about the other person. It's about like how can I serve them? What could I make that would taste good to them? What would make them feel welcomed and at home in my home? It's about pulling them in, like you said, to your everyday Mm -hmm. lives. Whereas entertainment is really more about ourselves. What do I need to wear to look really good? How can I decorate my tablescape to impress them? What can I make that really shows my culinary skills and, and displays them well? Entertainment is about I, me, the focus is, you know, inward. Hospitality is outwardly focused about them. And honestly, I think the the biggest piece of encouragement that I could give to uh, a woman listening is to really embrace what I like to call scruffy hospitality. It's <laughs> the type of hospitality that lets you bring your real self, you know, to the situation. You're, um, you're allowing yourself to feel, be free to show your real struggles, um, to show your real life, you know, unless you're some, you know, spotted unicorn mythical creature, we know that you eat dish, eat food. So therefore you have dishes in the sink, you know, that that's not shocking or it shouldn't be. Um, we know that you wear clothes, so you might have a load of laundry sitting out. And if we all have the courage to, um, embrace scruffy hospitality where we don't need to sterilize our lives. Yes, there's something to be said about, you know, having a decently tidy home just for the sake of um, providing uh, some comfort versus chaos. (laughs) But when we feel like we have to... um, have a sterilized home in order to invite people over. One, the invitation will never happen because it's impossible to have a sterilized life. And two, we're actually providing or giving them a false sense of what it looks like to be human. You know, we're, we're putting the bar way high saying that this is, this is the perfection that you must attain. Um, and what do you think that does to the guest? Are they more apt to reciprocate the invitation when they see the bar in your home so high? Probably Mm. not. But when you can just be your normal everyday self and show your real normal everyday struggles to them, you give them the courage to do the same. And so then they learn to be hospitable because they see you as, you know, a real person. You're not this mythical creature. You're not some unattainable goal. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently, and each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com, and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. 
I can relate to that so much because for years I did not have a biblical view of hospitality. It, it really was more about entertaining for me. I mean, I was like, you know, uh, you know, everything has to be spotless and the table already has to be set and all the food has to be prepared. And as soon as they walk in, it just needs to be, you know, everything is perfect. And I have a friend that really taught me the difference in hospitality mm-hmm. and entertaining. And one thing that I love that she did is she would allow the guests to help. You know, yeah. when my guests would come in, they would say, can I do anything? And I'm like, no, you know, you can't do anything. You know, you're the guest. I'm going to do it all. But when I would go to Thomas for dinner, I would say, can I do anything? And she would say, sure, uh, go grab the plates off the table and bring them in here because we're going to serve our plates in the kitchen. Or uh, I haven't had time to cut up the tomatoes for the salad. Would you mind chopping those up for me? And that brought me into her atmosphere, her home. I didn't feel, uh, you know, like a a guest that had to be stiff. I felt a part of the family. Right. You felt seen and you, you felt needed. There was a place for you. You had a particular role to play even as the guest. I mean, I I can tell you quickly, this, this happened very recently and I'm ashamed and embarrassed to admit this, but I will today because hopefully it will bolster some of your listeners to learn from my mistakes. Even after writing a, a book about Holy Huga and about the idea of scruffy hospitality and being your real self in front of people, I had a I was hosting a book club at my house just a few weeks ago and I had the the makings of an a dessert that I wouldn't normally make. It was something that I set aside for my children to make so that they could practice their cooking skills, if that gives you any idea. It wasn't like the real version. It was like the kid-friendly version. But that's all I had on hand. And so I whipped together this, it was Mississippi mud pie, but it was a very trunketed version of it. And when my guests came in, they were like, oh, Jamie, that looks so delicious. And instead of just saying, thank you, I'd be happy to serve you a plate. I lobbed out a lengthy list of excuses and apologies. Oh, I'm so sorry that it's blah, blah, blah. And it looks kind of yada, yada. And it's not quite right. And finally, one woman gently put me in my place. And she said, Jamie, when you make all kinds of excuses like that about how imperfect your dessert, or I could say fill in the blank, your home, your your clothing, your tablescape, whatever, how imperfect it is, it makes me not want to invite you to my house because I mm. feel like that's the bar you've set for me. And wow. I felt rightfully ashamed and I had to apologize to them because I would never, you see how that, that was so mm. self-focused, all the excuses that we give and apologies when we sort of start the conversation by apologizing for how imperfect it is, it really is quite self-focused. Mm. Ouch. Absolutely. Yeah. I know. <laughs> okay. That was good. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's so true, though. It's mm-hmm. not about us. It's not about uh, setting this, you know, making them have this great impression of us. Right. It's about them. It's about serving them and making them feel welcome and invited and seen. And so that is, that's just, that's so good. Uh, so, Jamie, in your book, you talk a lot about this, about the difference between creating an atmosphere versus creating just a pretty space. Um, so are there some other differences that you can tell us about? Well, I think an atmosphere really is about evoking a feeling. A pretty space is all about one sense. It's what you can see. But an atmosphere really evokes 
all five senses. If you think about like when you're talking about a new restaurant that just came to town and you're trying to convince somebody to go because it has a great atmosphere. When you say that, you're not really relating to just the things that they have on the wall, even the color scheme that they've chosen. Really, when you're talking about this new restaurant, you're talking about the design, yes, but also like how clean it is, um, the sights and smells and sounds of the place, um, the personality of the wait staff. It all encompasses together to create an atmosphere. So you can put together a really Instagram-worthy decor and have all the latest trends from, you know, the department store right on your your wall and in and, and your whole house can look like, you know, Walmart just kind of threw up on your wall. <laughs> and yet you could still leave a person feeling ragged and desperate and destitute in your home simply because you haven't created an atmosphere for them. You've just put up a pretty scene for them to look at. Mm. Um, I have recently, I've been in the market to buy a new couch. Ours is really old and dilapidated, much well-loved. And I I bought a gently used one off of Facebook Marketplace and I bought it, brought it home and it was super cute. It um, was a mid-century modern. It was bright yellow, pop of color, which I love. It was really on point in style. But when I showed a picture of it to my friends, they're like, mm, nope, Jamie, that's not your couch. And I'm like, why? It's like, perfectly Instagrammable and it's so beautiful. It's got all the right things. And they're like, Jamie, this is trendy, but it's so trendy, it's sterile and uninviting. And that is not the atmosphere that you create in your home. You're sort of um, doing yourself a disservice if you're wanting to create this cozy atmosphere that your house, you know, naturally has, don't buy that couch. Mm -hmm. So I learned my lesson. (laughs) (laughs) and thank goodness for friends that speak truth into our lives instead of multiplying kisses yes they've earned the right to say well jamie how does an open door because this all comes back to the gospel and sharing that with our neighbors and our loved ones so how does an open door affect our kingdom work and our opportunities for evangelism, and how would that then influence our children toward that same goal? Well, I think in our post-Christian culture, and and maybe you would disagree with me, but I I do think we are in a post-Christian society, I think people aren't looking for another good sermon. We're not going to win them over necessarily by our eloquence or our apologetics, how well we can debate in the public square, or even our convincing theology, I think we're going to win them over by ahab, by love. You know, God draws us with kindness, Scripture says. And love starts with relationships. Hospitality is just kind of like a stepping stone for building the kind of deep relationships that earn us a right to speak truth into another person's life, namely, and the right to say, hey, that yellow couch is cute, but it shouldn't be your couch, you know? Mm. Um, Teddy Roosevelt was quoted as saying once, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And, Mm. And I think that there's this deep ache in all of humanity that can really only ever be filled by one relationship, And that's the relationship that they can have with Christ. But that relationship can start and grow by first developing a relationship with us, his followers. And as they get to know us, you know, as Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, as they get to know us, we have the opportunity to introduce them to him. And I think that's where hospitality will make all the difference in kingdom living. And to your question about our children, 
I think when hospitality is baked into our bones, like it's just really ingrained and rooted in the culture of our home and it becomes just a natural extension of our family, our kids will then see that on display and they'll naturally develop the skills in the same way that they develop other basic basic skills like walking and talking. Um, it, It just becomes part and parcel for being, say, an Erickson to be hospitable because that is the culture of our home. Uh, last Sunday at church, I was serving downstairs um, in the children's wing, and then I came up to join my family for the rest of the service. And as I got to our row where everyone was sitting, there was a young lady I'd never seen before sitting next to my daughter. And I smiled and we sat there. And then during the meet and greet time, my daughter introduced her. And lo and behold, she was a young college age girl that had just arrived to our town. She knew nobody. And for some reason, you know, landed in our church that morning. My daughter had seen this young girl sitting by herself at the beginning of the service, walked over, introduced herself and said, hey, why don't you come sit with us so you don't have to sit by yourself? And then to top it all off, after church, it was nothing for my daughter to lean over and say, say, we're having baked mac and cheese, homemade mac and cheese for lunch. Do you want to come over and eat some lunch with us? It was just a natural extension of who she was, who she is, because it's a natural extension of our home. And as we model hospitality um, in our daily life, our children will catch that and it will become part and parcel for them too. Mm. Okay. Something you said made me think about Rosaria Butterfield and her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Yes. One of my favorites. That one really kicked me in the rear a lot. Uh, that that book was very painful for me personally as an introvert. And I know that's not an excuse, but that was a really difficult book for me to read in a good way. I mean, it was convicting. Um, but something that she said that stuck with me, and I can't remember, it's been years since I read it, but she, she basically talked about one of the hardest things about leaving her lesbian life was the hospitality of the people within that yes. community. Mm-hmm. And I'm so concerned that that's what our Christian community is lacking in our culture right now is that hospitality piece. Because like you said, that is how we should look different to the world. Right. You know, it, it shouldn't be every other group out here that's all banding together and really showing that kind of Christian hospitality because they can't, those who aren't within Christ. But we ought to be demonstrating that every day. If we're we're calling them out of something, Mm. we have to provide a better alternative. If we're calling them out of the community and love that they receive, not just within the LGBTQ community, really anywhere, you know, Mm -hmm. um, if we're calling anyone out of whatever lifestyle they were in, We have to provide something different, but something better. Mm -hmm. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. And today's quick tip is courtesy of Jamie. So what do you have for us today? Well, in the realm of hospitality, here's my quick tip. When you are baking any pastry that requires blueberries, it's always a good idea to sift the blueberries with a dusting of flour first before you fold it into the pastry because that will eliminate the purple schmear that kind of bleeds all throughout the dish. And then here's a bonus tip. If you reserve a few of those blueberries um, to plop on the very top, they won't settle to the bottom. So you'll be able to present blueberry bread or blueberry muffins or whatever with some blueberries on top. It'll be really um, inviting and um, yummy looking. I never knew that. You have just changed blueberry muffins for me. So now you need to go home and make some. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
Well, listeners, if you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. And I just want to invite myself to your house the next time I'm in Minnesota. <laughs> anytime. You're welcome. Anytime, spend the night Ginger. there. You're so sweet. I love it. Uh, but this really has just been uh, convicting and encouraging, mm. which is what we like, um, to encourage each other and edify each other and help us um, be more kingdom-minded. So uh, how about telling our listeners where they can go to find out more about you, your books, and your ministry? Well, I think the easiest way is just to go to jamieerickson.com. That's where you can find my podcast and my books and my blog and anything else I'm sending out into the world. All right. That's great. So jamieerickson.com. And Jamie, how about offering our listeners a word of encouragement? Well, if I could sit down with you with a cup of coffee, I would say this. Find ways to steward your home for kingdom purposes. Your home, your house is a talent that God has given you. So ask yourself this, how can I multiply that talent for him? The world longs for sanctuary. They crave connection and a chance to feel seen and known. And what they really need is Jesus. But as his follower, you have the opportunity to nurture a home that reflects the one who is making a home in you. Thank you so much, Jamie and Ginger, and thank you listeners for joining us today. If your church might be interested in hosting Ginger and me for a women's event or bringing Ginger in for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com and we'll get back to you with more information. And while you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can also find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering Ginger's Wise Words for Moms chart bundle deal at a 10% discount. It's a buy three and get a fourth chart free deal for only $15. And if you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com, you can get an additional 10% off this already great deal. The Wise Words for Moms chart is a great gift for baby showers and dedications, or if you'd like to bless your mom friends who are also wanting to reach the hearts of their children. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.